All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 268 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the Kiss FAQ message board. I am remote today, so I will be speaking softly. Um, I'm joined by Michael, who, uh, you know, why don't you tell everyone just a bit about yourself, because it's been a while since you've been on the show. So hopefully we've got some new listeners who are meeting you for the first time. Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. It's Michael Cappuccini here. So... I've been a KISS fan since KISS performed under the Brooklyn Bridge in 1996. Uh, saw them first uh, for the first time live in 2003 when they toured with Aerosmith. And I've been to now 16 shows in 16 years. And I've interviewed uh, and or met uh, basically all the living members of the band. And I've been on a few uh, episodes here. But uh, if you're interested in checking out any of my interviews, they're all on my website, michaelcavaccini.com. I'm also active in a lot of Facebook groups, so I'm sure you'll see me around, but just happy to be here. Yeah, some really, really good interviews as well, so do please check them out if you haven't. And if you haven't, shame on you. Now there's new reading material for you as well. And not only KISS-related, some very other interesting artists and writings. So, uh, you know, check it out, broaden your horizons. Alex, good to see you again. Welcome back into the fold. It's been a long time, and uh, glad to have you back on. Bag Boy, of course, on the FAQ. And Lonnie should be joining us, hopefully. And if not, I've got his rankings. So we're going to be able to talk about those as we discuss a particular album today. And I'm again, I've got two laptops going here. So if I'm turning away, I'm looking at the other screen. Because not being at home, it makes it a little bit more challenging. All right, so today's topic is celebrating the 10th anniversary of Anomaly, which of course Ace really released September the 15th, 2009 for the first time. Uh, We're going to do our usual kind of song rankings that are based on the system that the Lipstick Generation or the Lipstick Panel uh, did for theirs, because again, there's not that many ways to skin a cat, and it gives us at least a way of determining what is this panel's favorite song. Um, but beforehand, you know, why don't you tell people about your history with Anomaly? You bought it on release date or around there. Which version did you get? And what do you recall about the anticipation of what was Ace's comeback album, his first release in, what was it? A long 18, time. 18? Yeah. 19 years? Yeah. 2009, 89, so 20 mm-hmm. years. I mean, some stuff had come out in, in between, like Cherokee Boogie and uh, Take Me to the City, but... Uh, in terms of a proper ace release this was all new material michael let's start with you on your recollections yeah so it's interesting since i got into kiss um later in their career you know after the farewell tour well i mean when i say got into them i mean in 96 i was like too young to go see them really i guess it didn't even it didn't even occur to me that oh i could buy a ticket and go see this band because it just wasn't something i was doing so i think i you know, uh, because I was such like a late bloomer, I was busy digging into the band's back catalog of releases and didn't even get to the solo records of individual members for many years. So by the time Anomaly came out, I don't even think I bought it when it first came out because it wasn't really on my radar. So it's something I kind of listened to years later after probably, uh, well, what was the follow-up to that? Would it have been Space Invader? Yeah, Space Invader came in 2014. Right, so I definitely listened to Anomaly way before then. Um, and I think the song that probably caught my ear was Fox on the Run, because um, I'd like Do Ya. Um, and Ace, you know, when it comes to certain cover songs, he seems to, you know, seem to fit his voice and his tone. Um, so I think that was kind of my first impression of Anomaly, it was uh, Fox on the Run. And then I was like, okay, let me take a look and listen more to these tracks and see what else is on here. Cause everyone, I remember everyone talking about how great it was um, and how heavy it was and the guitar work and things like that. So it kind of had this hype around it and this reputation for being this great record. And part of it probably is due to the fact that it had been so long since he released something new. So fans are probably just like really thirsty for something from Ace, especially cause, and they even say it um, in some articles that came out around the time of the re-release, 
that you know he was saying like yep it's coming out in the spring up oh, coming out in the winter up oh, coming out in the fall and it's like well when the heck is it actually coming out and i think people were just like thrilled that it actually freaking came out finally um so i think that might be part of the reason why there's a certain love for it because uh, uh but anyway that's kind of my background and my experience with anomaly that you know i kind of came to the show late to kiss and to this album but you got there in the end, and that's what counts. It doesn't matter when you join the army or the party. Yeah, as long as you're at the party or in the kiss yeah. army, as the, the case may be. Um, before I go to you, Alex, I'll just tell people a little bit about, about mine. I mean, obviously, running the board, I was very aware of what was happening. But I think thirsty is a great descriptor of, you know, desperation, really. We were desperate for some new ace material, especially after the fiasco that was uh, – Psycho Circus and that being a, a real letdown. Again, Into the Void on that album, I thought was a, a great song, still do to this day. And it just made me want more Ace once everyone kind of figured out that most of the rest of the guitars on that album are Tommy, um, which are fine, but I want more Ace. And, you know, having bought Trouble Walking back in 89 and Space Walk in 90, what, 95, 96, and of course, um, guitar practicing or whichever smell the fuzz for Cherokee, the boogie, um, you know, there had been a taste of some of the other material that Ace was doing post trouble walking. And I thought it was very positive material. He did a guest appearance on Richie Scarlett's album on one of the, uh, recut demos from 95 ish. He was on Anton figs figments. So there was music and stuff out there that made me want more of it. But again, it was all down to his health. 2009 comes around and I got to experience some of the PR, you know, him coming into a radio station in San Francisco and me getting to hang out uh, with a bunch of people watching him get interviewed on 1077 The Bone with uh, Frank Munoz and Derek Hawkins. Um, Frank was, of course, critical to getting the album out in the first place. Um, and I liked the album. There's a, you know, a, a mix of songs on there and I, it was worth the wait for me. Uh, and I think that's, that's the key thing. Alex, what about you? Because, of course, you're on the younger side as a fan as well. You know, I uh, I was born into the Kiss Army, I guess you could say. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, you know, I I was excited to uh, when, when they kind of announced it. I mean, I got to see Ace in December of 2007, December 27th. 2007 i'm a weird kid i remember dates um and it must have been like his second comeback show um he played at jackson springfield virginia um you know and then it was like talk of oh my new album's coming out and of course i think the year or two prior he had was on that when kiss ruled the world and right at the end you know because it both him and peter were on there and it said what they were doing post kiss and said ace is working on a solo album and that was kind of it um and then I think it was Christmas 2008, uh, Eddie Trunk had Ace on. And I actually got to call in and got to ask, ask Ace a question. Him and He had him and Derek Hawkins on, and, and they were super cool. And I had just seen them uh, in February of that year. And and, and so I asked a question about uh, the instrumental, which we'll get to on the album later, called Fractured Quantum. But um, I was just stoked and 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 uh, reminiscing um, – Cause it's, you know, it's about 10 years ago and 10 years ago, I was on a cross country trip with my family, uh, going out to Nevada, uh, Reno. Uh, my grandfather had just passed. My grandmother was, uh, was, uh, on a, on, on her deathbed pretty much to, so to speak. So we had to went, uh, we went out west to go empty stuff. And so, uh, this trip is, it's, it's special to me, uh, on a lot of things, uh, obviously. And then my mom passed away and I said, mom who uh, raised me from a uh, mom passed away. Uh, she passed away a few months later. So it's a special trip to me. And there's just so much memory of, of this time period because I was finally getting to experience the excitement. I mean, a few weeks prior, Kiss had just released Mon and the Delilah and just kind of came out with like Sonic Boom's going to be our new album. Uh, Ace had Anomaly coming out. And, and I remember, um, you know, getting to hear, gosh, it's, again, I'm a weird kid. I'm a history major. So, so dates are like huge for us. <laughs> Uh, what I remember, like a few, a few days uh, coming up, it'll be 10 years. I remember getting to hear samples of Anomaly and was just so pumped and excited that this new album was coming out. And September 15th, I know it's a special day for Ace, but for my stepmom, who, who had passed a few months later, that's her birthday. So I was super excited. This album was coming out on her birthday. And I was just, you know, kind of all excited already. I was 20 at the time, you know, so 
for me, there's just so much memory uh, and there's just so much excitement uh, pumped up. And then Ace had even released that uh, that commercial, if you want to call it commercial or whatnot, on YouTube, where it's like the two kids waiting for the uh, the new Ace album to come out. And then they have, was it um, Uncle Lumpkin or Fuzzy or something like that? The guy had like a terrible mullet wig and stuff. And the little kid's like, I'm still waiting for Ace's new album to come out. And then you see this kind of overweight uncle with a bad mullet haircut, and he's like, "Yeah, wife waited twenty years for Ace's new album to come out." Yeah, that so, was that yeah. was funny, and that was a great way for them to kind of get into the swing of things. There was a lot of humor that went around because obviously, in, I think twenty oh five, two thousand five, Ace had been on Eddie Trunk, and he'd played like a re-recording of Two Thousand Man, which was like tons of layers of acoustic guitar. So I was a little bit worried at that point about where he was going to go in terms of direction. Um, but I think we'll let the songs and the album speak for itself as we go through it track by track and uh, try and determine this panel's favorite song off. Anomaly. So why don't we jump in um, just with that methodology? Again, uh, we assign one point and incremental uh, to each song. So the least favorite is worth one point, and the most favorite because there's uh, 12 songs on the album is worth 12 points. Add them all up and average it, and there we get our ranking. Um, anything that usually gets less than 10 points is a complete clunker. It's just the way the math works, uh, you know, if everyone's voted it that low. And on this album, nothing is under 10 points. So I think that makes it pretty clear that the quality of the album is pretty well spread and there was nothing that everyone hated. There's also mm. some shockers in, in our rankings that I have a favorite song that is someone's least favorite song. So it's it's always fun to see the kind of divergence that... Uh, arises out of opinion so let's jump in the kiss faq panel's least favorite song on anomaly is uh a little below the angels which only managed to score what was it uh 13 points wow so um michael why don't you talk about that song a little bit and why it fitted into your ranking where it did um yeah, sure. Uh, I was actually just listening to the album on shuffle before we came on just to, you know, again, ingrain it into my brain. And uh, that was one of the songs that came on. And I think I ranked it like number, I'm looking at the list here, number 10 out of, you know, everything. So, I mean, kind of low. I, the only reason why is because I think there was just stronger material that I had to rank above it. It's not that I disliked it. I actually thought it was pretty good. And I like, even though it's a little corny, um, when they have the breakdown with the children and all that, I just kind of liked how it breaks things up because there's a lot of typical Ace Hard Rock songs on here. So I think it was nice to have something that was so different um, on the album and something that's kind of you know sentimental and softer. Um, and it is catchy. I mean, it does get stuck in your head after you hear that chorus a few times. Um, so, I mean, I guess if the material overall was weaker, I would have ranked it higher, but because there were other songs um, that I felt had to be above it, that's what happened. And this tale here is Penny. Um, in case you're wondering what the hell's that next to his head. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts on A Little Below the Angels. Alex, how about you? Because uh, it's not very high up your list either, is it? No, you know, I. Oh, yeah, I, you, I do, you, you guys are tied. You both had a 10th. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the song. I didn't like the. I don't like the breakdown part with the la di da. I, I don't. I. I struggle with that, and then I. I struggled with the little children, uh, and, and I like children. I have a little one of my own. <laughs> I just. I, I get the sentiment and the nod to dolls on um, on Freely's Comet, the first uh, Freely's Comet album. So I, I get that. Um, but it wasn't Ace's kids, you know, it wasn't Ace's daughter Monique, you know, I don't know, maybe I might have been more uh, kind to it if it, you know, he had had her on it and stuff instead of some other, um, some other kids. Uh, but I do it, like the it was, it was Monique. Um, was it, little it wasn't, I, yeah. I, thought, I thought they had had like some other girls, like the, um, some other people and stuff. But, um, you know, I guess it just, it sounded a little corny in parts of it, you know, maybe restructure the song a little bit but it's not a terrible song but i know it doesn't come up high on my list either um but i do like the message you know i, I think we can all sometimes feel you know you know i like that one line you know i don't know if i'll make it to heaven just open the gates of hell you know as someone who uh, myself you know being more on the, on the 
religious side of life and, and how I live my life, you know, I think sometimes, you know, for people like that, you know, you might kind of um, resonate with that sentiments and stuff sometimes. And so it does have a good message. Just, you know, I don't know, probably wasn't one of my favorites on, on the album. No, I think everything that Michael said about it, all the things he noted about it, are the reasons why I don't like it at all, and it's my least favorite song on the album. It's, you know, down at the bottom, and I hate Dolls as well. So I'm an equal opportunity disliker of Ace's uh, sentimental songs, and that breakdown section just makes me cringe. Lyrically, it, it is a good song. I mean, he's trying to think outside the box and go in a different direction than exactly the sort of things that we kind of want from Ace. But um, that one did not work for me. It still doesn't. You know, I was list- when I was listening back in preparation for this and trying to figure out my rankings, I was like, I wanted to be nicer to it than I could be, and I'm just not able to be. So um, let's see, where did Lonnie have it? Lonnie had it he liked it the most out of all of us it's right middle of the pack for him and again because the album doesn't have any songs that we've given less than 10 points to I think that says a lot about the overall quality let's move on to in 11th place on 14 points a very close to bottom is Space Bear the instrumental Um, Alex I'll start with you on that one yeah, uh, I, I guess looking at my list, I have that at number nine. Um, it wasn't bad. I and I, I worked sort of out for anybody. Um, there was another podcast on um, a certain number of sides of a coin um, with uh, Frank Munoz. Uh, and, Munoz and, and we have no problem saying three sides. Okay. We don't, we, we don't <laughs> yeah. censor any other shows. Everyone's, you know, they have um, a great episode this week, so go it, listen to them. Yeah, no, it was actually really good. Um, but, uh, Frank Munoz on, on three sides. This is like, it's an early episode. I think Mitch Lafon was still on the show when he did it. So, you know, and he just celebrated five years with Mark. So five years ago, uh, he did a really good interview, um, discussing the production of Anomaly. Um, and he played, uh, he plays a little sample of, of what is Space Bear with like some police sounds and stuff like that. And I really, like that that this the demo i guess you demo the alternate version that he had had uh that wasn't released of it but um and you know i just thought it was a kind of a mediocre um instrumental it's not terrible but you know it just wasn't my favorite yep michael your thoughts on it uh i feel the same way so i ranked it um a little below a little below the angels but uh the reason why is because on an album where you have Fractured Quantum, which I think is awesome, uh, it just, you can't really have another instrumental that comes nowhere near um, that. I mean, I get that it's not fully an instrumental, right? There's some dialogue, but it's just kind of a meandering thing. It just seems like there wasn't a whole lot of thought put into it. Um, like he's just noodling with the guitar. Uh, and some, for some people that works really well, I think like for Neil Sean, that it, he's, he can do that. Praise? Eh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think he's as technically gifted as Neil, so I don't know that he could do that. It seems like Fractured Quantum, which we'll get into later, is more structured and there's more diversity in it, where this is just kind of repetitious and kind of boring. Um, so that's why I ranked it so low. Yeah, and that's the, the, the key to why I have it you know, where I do it. I mean, I'm middle of the pack for my ranking on this one because for me it's the best of the three instrumentals um, on the on the album. Uh, we'll talk more about the other two, but uh, for me it's the best of the instrumentals, so it just ends up in the middle. That kind of middle section is all kind of a tie anyway when it comes to a ranking. All right, Lonnie, where did he, he had it down bottom three. So um, obviously not a big fan of it either. So let's move straight on because we've got our first tie. First of a couple ties on this album. Um, on 15 points, we have Genghis Khan, the next instrumental, and Change the World. So, Michael, I'll, I'll go back to you on both of those. I mean, you're just talking a little bit about Genghis Khan, which I was not a fan of. I think it's better than Space Bear in some ways <laughs> until they get to the shout-out part of Genghis Khan. It's just like, oh, come on. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of the same way. And it's funny because I remember when I sat down to listen to this album again, I had remembered liking Genghis Khan. And then I listened to it for this and I'm like, what did I like about it? Like, I couldn't remember why I thought I liked it. 
Um, I mean, it's better than Space Bear, but it's not, you know, much better. It's just, you know, and like you said, it's just him kind of, there are, you know, there is some, again, some words in it and like him yelling it out and whatever. And it's okay. I mean, it's not great. Uh, I mean, it's a slight improvement over Space Bear. Uh, it's a little more melodic, I suppose. Um, but, uh, again, it just doesn't really hold a candle to Fractured Quantum for me. So that's kind of my thoughts on Genghis Khan. Um, I think uh, I read some sort of write-up where they were comparing it to Zeppelin and saying it was like Ace, like taking, like being like Jimmy Page. Um, so I'm not really big. I haven't really taken a deep dive into Zeppelin, so I've, I can't make that comparison, but I just read something about it. So I thought that was interesting. And then the other one was It's a Great Life, right? Nope. Change the World was tied oh, to Genghis Khan. Uh, change the World. So, yeah, I mean, Change the World is nice. It's pleasant. Um, uh, it's a simple song. I mean, that's the, the thing about Ace, and I, you know, I think if you listen to a full album of his that you'll notice is he's kind of a simple musician, when it, especially lyrics. Um, he kind of needs a Gene or a Paul uh, to really take it a step further, you know, fully flesh out his ideas and just kind of build on them without someone like a Gene or Paul. Um, he suffers. And Gene is actually the same way. I think Paul's the best songwriter in the band and always has been. And if you listen to the stuff on the vault, some of those songs might sound a little dopey. And it's probably because Paul or someone else didn't have the opportunity to kind of weigh in on it and make it better. So uh, that's the issue is that sometimes, you know, Kiss is some of its parts. So if you take away certain parts, um, you're kind of left with whatever that band member excels at. For Ace, it's really the guitar. It's not necessarily the lyrics or the singing. Um, but once in a while, you get a really great song out of him. Unfortunately, neither of these fit that bill. Yeah, the filter. I think Paul has probably the most restraint, and he's he's very applied to his songwriting approach that he doesn't have an emotional attachment to it and is able to say, that's fat, I'm going to trim that off. I'm going to change that. It doesn't work. He doesn't seem to have any problem. Ace seems to be more, well, it kind of fits. Well, let's go with it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, and I did have changed the world in the middle for me. I mean, I kind of do like the progression of the way he sings you know change the world um it's it's catchy it's got a nice feel to it and it's a nice kind of like mid-tempo number um it's not going to blow you away but it's kind of pleasant to have on in the background exactly alex you're you're with me on not liking change the world which of course is tied with genghis khan so why don't you start off on genghis and uh say something nice about it for the all those yeah. tracks that i actually struggle to record I actually do like, I mean, I, I rank Genghis Khan. It's, it's in the middle of uh, Genghis Khan. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's in the middle of, of my list. I, I do like it. I think the vocals ruined it for me, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think if it had just been a pure instrumental, it would have been a little bit better. I mean, I get the whole part of him going, you know, Genghis, but I, I think as an instrumental, um, it would have been just fine without any uh, any uh, lyrics to it. Um or words being said. Um, and then I think what well, wasn't a part of it, like recorded backwards or whatnot, or they played it backwards. I know there was some, there was some unique or, or Anton fig. I know, I think he played on this track. Um, and it has something to do with like his drama being kind of, you know, a step behind or whatnot did, did, uh, put into it, uh, changed the world. You know, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I know I want to give away my whole ranking, but really, uh, you know, too many faces is number six and a little below is number nine of the tracking. And that whole block, <laughs> that block of four songs just kind of, uh, ranks low <laughs> for me. Changed the world again. You know, um, I, I think there was, some. Uh, what do you put it? Um, some good, um, uh, soul searching that Ace had, uh, looking at himself and stuff. And so, you know, I, I can't fault him on that, you know, with, with a couple of these songs, change the world a little below the angels, that kind of an aspect. It just, I don't know, wasn't a song that I particularly in, enjoyed. Yeah. So. I, I think one of the things that Ace said about the song, that it is slower than most people are kind of used to from him. And uh, he thinks people are going to dig it. Sorry, Ace, I didn't dig it. It was too slow and it was kind of too plodding along. It was also 
politically inspired by the election campaigns of 2008, mm-hmm. um, everything leading up into that election. So that's kind of interesting that he was taking inspiration from a current affairs. So I hope he's watching whatever news channel he likes to watch now and taking lots of inspiration for the next one because he can probably write some good angry rock riffs and uh, build a, a good song around it. But uh, it, it, it just, you know, changed the world. No, again, that's not the ace that I was looking forward to. And it's not terrible. I mean, none of it's terrible, but it just doesn't work. And of course, Genghis already said, I don't like the shout out. It kind of ruins everything for me. And I I think that song seems to be more about the amount of guitars that he used on it than about those guitars all being used and actually working well together because it just becomes a little bit too thick for me, uh, which is a weird dynamic to try and explain. Like there's too many guitars and not all of them seem to have a purpose other than being track number 97 uh, guitar. So let's move on into <sighs> 22 points in eighth spot. Too many faces. And I'm going to go first on this one because I love this song. Uh, it's my number one song on the album and Alex is very last and it seems that I'm, I'm and Michael and Lonnie both have it kind of middle of the pack so it's very rare that we get someone who loves a song and someone who ranks it their least favorite I love it, it's poppy and it's kind of the poppy ace that I like it's catchy, got a great riff I was thrilled as cream cheese when this was played live i was like wow he actually did one of the songs that i love off the album live and i get to hear it so i was excited and i was very happy and i still enjoy it when i was listening back to this album unlike genghis kong which i really liked at the time and i couldn't remember why i actually liked it i think that's similar to what you said michael um too many faces i had no problem i just couldn't wait for it to come on when it came on in the track order i was thrilled and i was bopping away and just really happy so michael your thoughts on too many faces yeah i have it right in the middle um and i do like poppy ace uh i think actually that's where he excels a lot is because he has good pop sensibility and on space invader there was some good pop stuff too um well and obviously a lot of his cover songs are pop but uh for this one, I do think it's a good song. I think it's catchy. It's happy because um, you don't want everything to be super heavy or, you know, slow or plodding, as you said, because you want to pet people up. Right. Like an album should kind of feel like a bit like a roller coaster. You have to bring them up, take them down, bring them back up again. Uh, that way you're sequencing it appropriately. Um, and I feel like this is a good song to break up a lot of the heavy guitars. Um and it's just like a fun, enjoyable song. So that's why I kind of tossed it in the middle because uh, I do think it's fun. Um, and yeah, uh, but there, and you will notice this as we continue, but in the beginning of the album, to Alex's point, I feel like the beginning of the album, they kind of hit you with a bunch of really good songs and they know that, um, which is probably why maybe later on in the album, there's kind of like the leftovers. Uh <laughs> So I, I, that's why a lot of my songs at the top are from the beginning of the album, which is why this one, again, got kind of stuck in the middle. It's just because there's just other ones that I felt should be ahead of it. Uh, but I do enjoy it, and I, I would listen to it. I wouldn't, you know, the certain songs I'd probably skip, this wouldn't be one of them. Right. Alex, what are your thoughts on uh, such an opposing view for once? <laughs> you know, the only thing for me, lyrically, it's not terrible. And I don't know if it's the sound. I thought maybe I might have had a defective disc. It was just this kind of like, it sounds like a skipping CD part uh, and part of the song. And I almost kind of was worried to say that because I don't want anybody else to kind of pick up on what I think might be perceived as, as an issue. And, and then they're like, Oh man, like now that you can't listen to the song there because I ruined it for them and stuff. But so for me and I, and I made sure, cause I had a couple copies of anomaly. I, you know, the best buy edition, the regular, the deluxe, and it's there, you know, and I had the iTunes version for the bonus track. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's part of the song. And I think just for me, maybe my ear is just, it's just, um, it's a sound that maybe I just don't pleasantly like in a song. And I think that's just kind of why it ranked low for me. Um, you know, for other people though, you know, it's not something that bothers them and, you know, <laughs> more power to them you know it's, it's the same with a lot of music with my wife you know i listen to a lot of prog rock uh and stuff and you know synthesizer uh from the 70s like roger powell and 
my wife just thinks it's all a bunch of weird stuff and just a lot of times just turn that off and switch the switch the music so no fair enough all right where did lonnie have this one uh he had it middle of the pack as well so you know i think it would be in a better single all right moving on into seven to sixth place another tie on 26 points pain in the neck and fractured quantum let's get the instrumental out of the way first michael your thoughts on both of these songs I think Fractured Quantum is great. I enjoyed the instrumentals. Um, uh, you know, I guess Ace had what? He kind of had like a trilogy of these, right, from Fractured. Uh, and then I guess this is continuing that. I enjoyed all three of those. And I was, you know, happy to see him kind of continue that with this, which he broke away from that with the next two albums. Um, and I like it. I like how... I mean, it's very similar to the other Fractured songs where it's almost like he like plots it out, right? Like, okay, you have Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, and like this part of it's going to be this kind of sound, and then it's going to ease into this other sound, and then we're going to end it with this kind of a sound. I like that. I think it's kind of cool because you're kind of wondering, all right, where is it going to go next? Uh, And I enjoy that. I always think those are also kind of, you know, relaxing kind of songs when he does them. And I just enjoy them. I don't know. I would always look forward to them on his albums. So, and I think this one particularly is very good. So that's why I actually ranked it number two, because um, I enjoyed it so much. Pain in the Neck, um, I ranked that number six because I think, I mean, it's okay. It's a good song. I mean, I think musically it's good. Lyrically, you know, it's all right. Vocally, it's kind of, it's like, you know, signature ace, or he's kind of like, he's got that heavy accent. So it's like you either like his voice or you don't. It's kind of like Neil Diamond, right? He either drives you nuts or you enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I think Pain in the Neck is just kind of a typical ace rocker. And I think because it was so catchy for me and stuck in my head, I felt like, all right, I have to kind of rank it highly. And I thought the guitar work was good. Um, I have to tell you, overall, and we'll probably get to this at the end, but I'm just going to kind of reveal a little bit. Overall, I'm not a huge fan of this album. Um, I think it's actually one of Ace's weaker albums, which is why I think a lot of these songs sound very similar for me, or they kind of get lumped together where they do, because none of them blow me away, except for one song. Um, so that's why, you know, I, if, if you're hearing my thoughts about these songs and you're like, oh, it sounds like he's saying similar things about several songs. Well, that's because to me, it sounds very homogenous. Uh, the album. There's not a lot of variety here, except for maybe a few things. Um, and I think Pain in the Neck is just one of those typical Ace Anomaly rock songs. Hey, you know, that that's a good point about it being, you know, kind of homogenized, as you put it. And that's probably why I like Too Many Faces, because he actually wrote it. And it, yeah. it would usually be the sort of material that he would cover, say, like Fox on the Run or Do Ya or Into the Night you know, which which recovers, or what was the one on second sighting, the Steelheart uh, song, you know, so he, he's often gone to the, bought stuff rather than write it, and that's why I, I'm such a fan of the one that he did write himself. Alex, your thoughts on both Fractured Quantum and Pain in the Neck? I I love Fractured Quantum. I, um, it was really, it was really a tie between my number one and that song. I won't reveal my number one just yet. Uh, <laughs> But, um, I, you know, again, I mentioned, you know, about that trip and stuff. And I just felt, you know, that road trip I had with my family, uh, then my uh, grandmother passing, it just, it came at a good time. And I, I guess for me, I'm, I'm emotionally connected to that song. You know, I just thought that the, the, um, the sound of the song, the, the mellowness and everything, um, you know, you hear like the children in the background in the beginning and stuff, you know, and I, I guess for me, it just had a very um, just deep, deep connection uh, to me. And I know there's a part of the song that sounds like a little nod to the first Fractured Mirror. Um, I, I wish I could say what, what the minute mark is and maybe I'll comment it on, on like the message for a part. Uh, but it's like a little part that I remember, like you just said, it sounded like you were you know, it was like a little riff of similar to the first Fraction Mirror, and I was really, really happy uh, with that. Um, and then uh, Pain in the Neck, I, I, I do enjoy it. It's it's interesting. I feel like um, it's 
the yodeling aspect is like stuck in my my mind with the song that I think um you know there is a, a deluxe edition of this album that has some bonus tracks and one of it's um a, a slower version alternate version of the song and and like in the notes it says can you hear the yodeling and stuff and I don't know if it's there or not but um you know the drummer Scott Coogan did a great job with that and I just thought it was kind of a, a fun little rocking song and you know when uh you know, I've had a few girlfriends in between. I got married and stuff. Uh, you know, I got married in, in 2016. But before that, you know, I had some had some girlfriends and, you know, in this relationships. And then you kind of got to put on your get over the get over the ex playlist and stuff. And, and this is one of those songs just kind of put on the jam. Go like, yeah, we'll get over this. She's a pain in the neck. It's good. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the interesting things about the, this album is that it again it is in some ways very one note pain in the neck when i was sitting back before i even listened to this um the album to to recap it just trying to think of the parts of these songs that jumped out at me to see how memorable each one of them was and all i could remember was that really slow repetitive um chorus for this one so it hasn't aged particularly well but michael lonnie and myself all ranked it the same so you know, again, good middle of the pack. I think the riff, the music track is better than the lyrics on this one. And I know there were reasons why I think why why it just ended up the way it was. Fractured Quantum, I didn't like before I even heard it. I just was so overhearing any instrumental by Ace with Fractured in its name. I was like, it was like forehead slap for me. So I think I'm probably biased against it because I rank it very low. Um just because it doesn't seem to go anywhere. It doesn't have enough dynamics for me. And I know the original Fractured Mirror was one that started a very Skinnerty, you know, Freebird free or, you know, kind of building throughout, but it never gets to a crescendo that I, re- mm. that I really need from Aces. I need pyrotechnics in there somewhere that just show him to be the spaceman ripping up the fretboard and Maybe I'm just more into fireworks and ambiance, and that's just, you know, just for me. But again, you know, not terrible, but certainly not outstanding. I think it's the least of the versions of Quantum Anything uh, that he'd done to that point. And Lonnie, it's his least favorite on, on the on the album, so there we go. So that was on 26 points. Moving on to fifth place on 34 points is It's a Great Life, which, again... Alex has touched on it a lot with your descriptions of listening to this album. A song becomes part of the soundtrack of your life, and you can often associate it with things that happened, so that whenever you hear that song in the future, you recall things. And I think that's what Ace is kind of trying to represent in this song. For me, it's, you know, middle of the road. It's not bad. It's not stunning, but I, I like the message in it a lot. And I think that's uh, where he really hit it out of the park and made a successful song and it being kind of emotional and cool. Michael. Yeah, I think the message is good. It's a little corny, I think, when he references his dad. My daddy used to say or something like that. And I kind of laugh every time I hear that part. Um, uh, so, I mean, it is, you know, a good message. Obviously, it's a little... Um, uh, amateurish i guess in the way it's written but hey it is um but uh, it is again it's just kind of a pleasant song and i do think that it does help break things up a little um because it's not because you have like sister out of outer space pain in the neck like a lot of those songs kind of have a certain feel where i feel this one is different it's kind of similar to too many faces in that it's more light um and you know just kind of an upbeat positive song and I, I do appreciate that and i ranked it actually uh in the middle i have kind of too many faces and it's great life kind of stacked on top of each other because they just kind of fall there for me so i enjoy it i listen to it every time it plays um you know it doesn't blow me away but it's just pleasant and fun and you know kind of of course it sticks in my head yeah alex uh Sure. It's my number one. I, uh, I really like it again, you know, touching on that. Um, I, I think for me, just again, emotional connection, you know, that, that time period. Um, and also, um, you know, the, you know, it's a great life. You know, my daddy told me and stuff like that. 
And it just really, I, I felt like it was almost like a perfect song of, of my relationship with my dad. Yeah. And I think that's why it really connects so well with me. I think of when I was a kid and, you know, you never like, you never, you remember when you're like a kid and, and, you know, it could be, you know, something silly like your favorite Hot Wheel car got destroyed or whatnot, you know, something silly like that. But, you know, as a kid, you're kind of like so upset. And my dad was always like, you know, hey, it's not the end of the world and stuff like that. And so I, I remember that uh, so well. And so I think for me, that's why I really just connected uh, super well with the song. And uh, I just loved I remember the sample. I was in Nauvoo, Illinois. Uh, and then, you know, coming up on, like I said, 10 years uh and I just remember being at the hotel and, and getting to hear these samples. And I just remember, like, I just thought the riff of it, it was it was so unique and different than an A song. You know, I don't know if, I, if we call it a jazzy feel or something like that, but it was it was different enough. I was like, man, this is catchy and stuff. And then, again, once the words, you know, you hear the words that just really uh, connected with me. So for me, that's why it rings high uh, as, you know, number one for me. Um, and, you know, hey, it's a great life. Yeah, if you don't weaken. Yeah, that's a really catchy kind of thing that his father used to say to him. Nice that he worked that into a song. All right, let's move on. We have another tie, uh, the last of our ties, fortunately. Um, on 36 points tied are Foxy and Free and Outer Space, both of the rockers on the album. Michael, why don't you talk about both of those songs to you? So I ranked Foxy and Free higher than Outer Space, um, but I actually like... It's weird. So I think the chorus of Foxy and Free is, you know, good. But I actually like Outer Space. Like, I actually may flip that. I don't know. I, was, I really liked Outer Space. I think the guitar work on Outer Space is very good and really well done. And that's why it stood out for me. Um, and But I do think they're kind of similar. I guess Foxy and Free kind of has a more of a um, – uh, it, it's less – of a hard rock song. I mean, it is hard rock, but it's more of a, a pop song element to it. Um, but I do kind of see those as like similar songs. I enjoy both. I think they're good songs. And I think he kind of, like I said, packed the front of the album with a lot of those songs knowing, okay, here's like a one, two, three punch of songs that should uh, blow you away. Cause you don't want to bury stuff, right? It's almost like writing a story. They tell you like do the inverted pyramid they put the most important stuff at the top and the least important stuff at the bottom. Um, now, for an album, sometimes, you know, there's different approaches. But I feel like for him, because it had been so long since he had an album, he really wanted to, you know, stack the deck and have uh, some really good stuff right up front, which is why I think these are where they are in the album. Sorry, on mute. So, yeah. Good explanation. Good thoughts on that. Alex, what about you and Foxy and Free and Outer Space? And you're on mute. I, I know Foxy and Free came a little lower on um, on my list. Um, I guess I, just, I, w I probably wouldn't have put it as the lead-off song for the album. Um, um, it's not terrible, uh, but it just, you know, kind of came on my, my bottom half. Um um, I do like the, uh, again, you know, I know we're talking the album, but there was that deluxe edition, which does have, uh, the heart for me, which I guess is like the original version of the song. And, um, I do prefer those lyrics a little bit better. Um, out of space, that was my third, uh, and that was number three for me. Um, and I, I really liked it. I just thought it was kind of catchy. I mean, I, you know, I know some people and, you know, I do think, you know, space invader took, uh, took a lot of Liberty with space theme songs, <laughs> But uh, but this one uh, was was really fun. I believe it's I don't do you call do you call it a cover song? It's actually from like another band, isn't yeah, it? It's a it's a cover. I mean, he, he, he purchased it. I, I think he made some changes to it. I, I'm trying to look over my shoulder at the notes when I get to talk about that one myself. Um, but I, I thought it was fun. I liked the ending. Um, you know the little line that you know the earth is rolling off sevens. This place is gonna be fried with like that kind of spaceship, you know, flying away sound. So I just thought it was a fun song. Yeah, so just looking over my notes on Outer Space, it was originally written by Jesse Menendez and David Askew in 2000 uh, for their then-band Shredmill, and uh, nothing came of it at the time, so Ace did it. So I, I had a problem with, again, the space theme. It just seemed too predictable for the single, but it's a great song, um, really fun and enjoyable. Foxy, Foxy and Free is a great lead-off track. I mean, for those of us who were waiting for Ace and 
you know, we're looking forward to more material because it tied in with Psycho Circus being originally being hard for me that he'd apparently presented to the band and been rejected in 1998. It was great to hear it, though. Obviously, he had to change the lyrics because he couldn't remember who had contributed what to the song when originally written. And I think Sebastian got uh, Bach got a little bit upset that, you know, it was redone and kind of took off his contributions. But, you know, Face couldn't credit it. Maybe he didn't want an extra songwriting credit on the album. But I think, you know, it, it's a good song. It's not spectacular. Um, it's, right. it's good enough to open the album with and whet your appetite for more of what comes. Um, but it doesn't do the role that Outer Space, being up-tempo, very catchy, does as the first single. So I think he, he was more successful with the cover than the opening track for the album. No. I, th- I think it's interesting that Outer Space is, I actually didn't know that it was a cover song, because it sounds like something he wrote. Uh, it fits him very well. Um, so he made a good choice with selecting that. Um, so that, that's interesting how it fit in really well. Because most of the time when he does a cover song, it's really obvious. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is a cover. Because he usually covers something that's really famous. So I thought this was an interesting choice. Um, and it's a good addition to the album. So I'm glad he included it. Yeah. And, you know, the reason he, he said that it was a, like a reintroduction of his original persona, since it was his first album back and he used the makeup on the artwork, um, you know, it kind of all made sense to him. And I don't know how much of the original Shed Mill song remained because Ace has a credit on it as well. So. He obviously made some changes. I can't remember if we ever got to hear the original demo. I'll have to look back into that and someone can maybe chime in online and say, yeah, you can go listen to the original version here because uh, it's so long ago. Again, I, a lot of my feelings of this are just my impressions of what I recall feeling. All right, let's move on to number two and we can catch up with Alex when he's able to come back, but life comes first. All right, in second place on 37 points and 36, 37, 38. It's a tight battle at the top air. Fox on the run. Um, And I'm going to go first on this. This is one of my least favorite covers that he's ever done. It could have been so good because it's a great song that he's covering. And he just didn't make it his own for me. Um, But he didn't ruin it either. So I I ranked this fifth, um, which again puts it right in that middle. So it's a good song, and yeah, it's a good song for Ace, uh, but he just doesn't hit a home run with it as far as I'm concerned. Michael, your thoughts on Fox on the Run? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. So um, I love Fox on the Run. To me, it's my favorite song from the album. Um, But to your point, it reminds me of Rod Stewart released a covers album a few years ago. I forget what the heck it's called, but uh, on it, he covers a lot of songs and he doesn't really make it his own or any of them his own, which is a shame because he's Rod Stewart, right? You would think, I mean, someone like that who's known for covering songs and like really doing an amazing job that he would. Oh, it's called Still the Same, uh, you know, Greatest Rock Classics of Our Time or something like that. And Rod covers Missing You. Um, I Stand By You and a bunch of other songs. And while they sound good, because, you know, he's a phenomenal voice, he doesn't actually really put his own stamp on it or do anything, um, you know, fascinating with it. He just plays it safe, which it sounds like you're saying uh, that that's what Ace did here with Fox on the Run. I guess because I wasn't so familiar with Fox on the Run, um, I, I just love how, I mean, it really is like the most poppy song on the album. And to me, it almost sounds like a sequel to Do Ya. Um, even though they're both cover songs, they just sound like perfect together. Um, and I feel like because I love Do Ya, I love Fox and the Run. And uh, I've never seen him perform it live, um, but I would love to if he if he would you know dust it off and bring it out. Um, so, I, yeah, I just think it's the best song on the album um, because it just always you know perks me up and gets me singing along to it. Yeah, I think he could certainly drop some of those Kiss songs and put in some more of his solo material. He's not lacking the material to perform live other than not wanting to do it. So, yeah, I, I like your comments about it being like almost a follow-on from Do Ya. But Do Ya, he owns. 
even though he didn't change it that much from listening to the ELO version or the move version of that song, um, he still put his a stamp on it where he just kind of missed with that. But again, still a great song, so no criticism. Um, Alex, let's move on to you. And where did you have Fox I, on the Run? I had it on number five on my list. Um, yep, same as me. But it's not like a bad song. I actually, and I know Ace did do it a couple of times, but I I know we did the episode with, what do you want to call it, missed, kissed opportunities. And to me, this is a missed opportunity for Ace. I, I love when he opens up with Rip It Out, but the way he does the intro uh, or the beginning of Fox on the Front, talk about what a cool opening track to open up a show with and stuff. Have the band now to have him just kind of come out and do that beginning where he's uh, toggling the switch and stuff and just go into the song. It'd be a great opening song for one of his uh, live concerts. And I was kind of bummed when he did the Anomaly Tour that wasn't really kind of what he went for and stuff. But I always thought it was like a missed ace opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think Kiss and Ace never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity in some ways for our, <laughs> for, for our fans. That we always want something that they're not willing to give us, so it yeah. has to be good enough what they do give. All right, so Lonnie had this fourth, so it's obviously it resonated with everyone well. Um, there you go. There's one song left, and by process of elimination, you can probably figure out that it's Sister. Just squeaking into the lead on 38 points. It was my second favorite song on the album. Um, again, when the demos that Ace was recording in the early 90s, or maybe it was 95 by the time that happened, they'd been in the set. The riff dates from 88. Um, had originally been just a demo session that he did, and that song was basically there musically. But when it got to Richie Scarlet being back in the band, there was attitude. There was guitars. There were lots of guitars. And I thought the guitars on the demo were better than the guitars on Trouble Walking, which to me is the best piece album when it comes to guitar uh, of his solo career. So I loved the song. I loved it in 95. I loved it when it came out. Um, and it, I'm glad that he included it on that album and didn't just walk away from some of the older material and say that that's just too old. I've moved on from there. So I was very thankful that it was there. I'm thankful that it's been in a lot of the sets that I've seen him perform. And again, I, I've never hidden how much I love Richie Scarlet and what he brings on stage. I know he's an acquired taste for some, but I love him in all his glory up there on stage playing the song with Ace. It, to me, it makes everything all right for what I missed in 1995 by not being in the country. So, uh, Michael, your thoughts on Sister? Yeah, to echo your thoughts about Richie Scarlet, I'm glad I got a chance to see him perform live multiple times with uh, Ace and his band, you know, prior to him leaving the band um, and the band changing. Because uh, I thought he's fun. You know, he's kind of just like a fun rock and roll guy. Reminds me of like when you go see Billy Idol, it's like, how did you not have a good time? Um, so then I got a guitar pick from Richie and he's just, he's just fun, you know, uh, fun, like gritty rock and roll personality and him and Ace go together really well. Uh, and so sister, you know, the chorus, which I can't even really think of right now, cause I don't think that's really what resonates for me with it. I think it's more about the guitar. Um, and if I recall, wasn't this one of the singles or the lead single? that they uh, released? Because I know that the song got a lot of attention at the time. I think Out of Space was the single, at least that's my, my little copy states out of yeah, featuring it, the it single. It got a lot of attention just because everyone basically knew it from the 90s yeah. demos, and right. uh, that, that was probably why it bats above its weight. Yeah, and I do think, I wish Ace had done that with other stuff, because there's other um, demos that he has that never uh, got dusted off and polished and put on an album that absolutely should have. So it's nice to see that he took the time to do that with this track because it is one of the stronger ones, as evidenced by the fact that he thinks it's worth including in live sets. Um, and I, you know, I'm not surprised that it's ranked highly by everyone. Uh, you know, it's, I think, where did I have it? I had number five. Um, so, you know, I do enjoy it. To me, it's not the best track on the album, but it is very strong. Um, and it's nice that it was able to still be good in its final form because, you know, sometimes you hear a demo 
and you're like, oh, this is so much better than what the, the crap we got. <laughs> but thankfully with this, it seems like he was able to maintain that integrity um, and keep it in the, the final version of the song. So I do enjoy it, um, and that's why I ranked it within the top five. Yeah, the best of the 95 ones, you know, he'd done Too Far Gone was on Richie's um, Insanity, a live album, I think. Um, Take Me to the City would be another great one for him to revisit. And I don't think he'd do Don't Want to Lose You, which is the fourth of those uh, kind of demo tracks. I think that's pretty much just a Richie song. Um, Alex, your thoughts about Sister? Um, you know, I, I know it ranks number four. Sorry, my little one decided to wake up from a nap, so you may hear I apologize. Um, don't, don't worry. They do what they do. Uh, yeah. Um, I rank number four. Um, I think it could have been higher. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, just that demo. Uh, I think the demos were, a little, were just a little bit better, a little more fast, faster pace. Uh, but I was super glad to see the song made the album because, you know, you can find plenty of videos of Ace doing this live in 95 and whatnot. And, and him saying, uh, this is a new, you know, song off the new album. So I was glad it was on the new album and stuff. So, you know, made Ace look like he's telling the truth. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I wish he could have done a guest spot with maybe Richie on it uh, to see how that could have been. You know, I, I find Rich, uh, Richie Scarlet and Ace. Uh, I know Julian Cinnamon probably gets tired of me mentioning them, but it's like Todd Rundgren with his bass player, Chasm Sultan and stuff. You know, Todd always for a lot of tours has Chasm with him, though Chasm isn't part of the show he, uh, or, you know, one of the main acts. But he's part of that kind of that dynamic duo thing. And I think the Ace Richie. It's, it's such a great dynamic duel. It would have been great to have had Richie even just guest spotting on just sister alone and, and, and stuff. But, um, I was so glad it made the album. Um, again, there really is a really cool interview on three sides of the coin with, with Frank Munoz. Uh, that's worth giving a listen to, to hear some of the stories. Cause I feel like, I think they mentioned like this song kind of almost didn't make the album, but it was kind of like, Oh no, we need to, we need to throw this on the album because it's got such a history uh, with your ace. And so I was, I was glad it made the album and it's, it really is kind of a fun track and I'm glad it made the set list uh, even for his later uh, tour dates when this album came out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw it last year and when they visited uh, the final shows that he kind of did with Richie and that lineup. So, you know, great song and Kasim, by the way, is a part of that show because their interaction on stage when I saw them in, in Vegas, mate, he wasn't just some invisible musician. None of those guys uh, who were performing with Todd were invisible. All right, let's go into final thoughts about um, about the album. And I, I think, Michael, you've you've touched on it and kind of where it fits with the other studio albums that Ace has released since. Kind of where do you put it overall? versus space invader or spaceman and i don't even want to put origins into it into the question because that's just you know covers yeah and i feel the same way origins is you know a nice departure but i don't really consider it you know to be since it's not original overall original material uh i actually rank anomaly at the bottom uh, i think that spaceman is awesome Although he's got to get rid of the space thing. It's getting very confusing. Space fan, space invader. What's next? Like space ace. Come on. Uh, it's very hard to keep track of what the heck you're referencing. But I would say probably the space fan first, space invader second, anomaly last. Um, for the modern ace material, I think trouble walking, like you said, is the best ace album. Um, I mean, obviously 1978 album is excellent too, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. Anomaly just is not something I go back to that often because I don't know. Space Invader is so, there's so many, like, give me a feeling. I loved it. Uh, I want to hold you. Uh, I love Past the Milky Way. I feel like that is such uh, an underrated song. And then I feel like with Space Band, he even, I feel like it's a, a stronger record. Um, so when I compare these two to Anomaly, I'm just kind of like, meh. I'd rather listen to them than an anomaly. While I love Fox on the Run, Toxium Free, Outer Space, and some of these other tracks, there's maybe really like five songs that I would listen to over and over again. The rest, you know, I could be listening to Rock Soldiers or Trouble Walking or something else and have more fun. So why bother? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't rank Anomaly very highly. Um, and that could be because, again, I wasn't a fan just waiting around for a new album to drop like Steve Perry. It's a great example. Ever since I've been a Steve Perry fan, I've been waiting for new music from Steve Perry. 
And then when he finally released his new album, I loved it, and I still do enjoy it, and I think it's fantastic, and there's some amazing songs on there. Now, I'm sure if you talk to someone who becomes a Steve Perry fan in 10, 15 years, and you ask them what do they think of it, they'll be like, meh, it's okay. But for me, it was like, thank God he's back, right? So I think it really does depend on um, what kind of fan you are and when you became a fan. I think that totally influences your opinion on the material. Yeah, I, I think for me, the waiting was one part, but I think because he's put out so much more music since that he's grown in confidence, and this was just wetting his beef. Oh, we, we've got our fourth host. Lonnie, you weren't needed after all. We've got four now. We're, we're, we're all good. Um, so from, from that from that angle, you know, he certainly met expectations by releasing it, and I think there's enough material that does hold up and did hold up well live in concert, but particularly with Space Invader, um, I, I think he just exceeded where he had been, and I think even with Spaceman, there's some songs on there that um, you know work really well for me. So yeah, I think what's most important was that he put out music, and he's continued to put out music, and I hope he continues to want to put out music, um, because he's got a lot of good riffs. He's, lyrically, I think if he could find a partner that he could work with just to help filter, um, it wouldn't go wrong. And maybe instead of six-minute songs feeling gratuitously six minutes in length, you know, editing and someone to help him with his focus, and he just doesn't really have that, and maybe he doesn't want it. So we'll just see where we go. Alex, where does it kind of rank for you in relation to the rest of the albums that he's released since? You know, and I, I know we're not counting Origins, but it, for, for the longest time it was number one between, you know, this, Spaceman, and then, you know, for me, Origins. Um, um, but then when Spaceman came out, that kind of took it, took it to a number two. Just because I feel like with Spaceman, and kind of what you mentioned, you know, having somebody to filter – and I felt like with Spaceman having it nine nine songs, um, you know, it was quality versus quantity. And, and I think for this album, and I mean, and it's tough because, you know, when you get that album, you go like, oh, I want more songs and stuff. But it's sometimes, you know, it's do you want quantity or do you want quality? Um, and I think with like Anomaly, uh, like I mentioned for myself, you know, between uh, tracks six through nine, sometimes it's just an automatic skip for those four. It was like a little block. Um, uh, but, but, you know, at the same time, there was like, for me, I mentioned, you know, there's a connection to the album that I really love, uh, with it. Um, and a lot of me memories associated with it, you know, for myself, I mean, I, I don't remember the exact date from when Trouble Walking came out. I mean, I was born in 1989 though. So for me, it was the first new Ace Frehley album. Uh, so there was, you know, that huge excitement for it though. Um, but I liked, um, the, uh, I mean, like you said, the, the method of, uh, that he used on, on Spaceman, but not that we're, you know, here to talk Spaceman, but I, I hope Ace will kind of maybe kind of keep down in mind, you know, the more quantity, uh, quality versus the quantity. Yep. And I think, uh, it does him really well then. And I hope he does new music. I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about it because I felt like he said Origins 2 was done and it should be coming. They said it was going to be coming out this year or whatnot, but I, when you think about it, you know, and if it does make it this year, in 10 years, we got five Ace albums, you know, uh, you know, granted two of them are cover albums compared to a 20 year period of no Ace albums, except for two compilation albums of some, you know, live material. So I'm happy, though, that we're getting some new material. Yeah, it, it, it's all it's always good. So let's let's wrap this one up. Um, it's the 10th anniversary of Anomaly. Uh, E1 has a special deluxe edition coming out on yellow vinyl on September the 27th. That fe features obviously the three bonus songs um, on double LP. And th they're using the alternative artwork for it as well. So yeah, I think it's still worthwhile if you don't have a vinyl copy, adding that into your collection with the new, with the new art, which uh, I think is better than what Ace managed to come up with on that. I've, I've not been a fan of his graphic design um, for what it, for what it means. I mean, it, it's his own stuff, so great. But uh, it's not the album cover or the packaging that's important to me. Um, Michael, any final thoughts before we call it a uh, call it a day? Yeah, so I, I agree. I think it's great. I think any musician or artist should continue to create. 
um, whether it's an author, musician, whoever, uh, I always want more. I never want less um, because it just gives us, you know, you can just kind of wrap yourself in everything that they create and just enjoy it. And, uh, you know, like I, I recently met Clive Barker and I look forward to taking a deep dive into his books that I haven't read. And I love that there's so much to experience. And with any artist, I hope that they continue to create more. I hope Ace creates as many albums as possible before he stops. And I was looking at it. It looks like he's releasing something every two years. Um, and, hey, if he keeps up at that pace or even more frequently, that's cool by me. And I do think any everyone should buy this album, uh, even though I rank it at the bottom of his modern material. It's still good. I mean, there's, I wouldn't say it's a bad album at all. It's good, and there's a lot of even great material on it. So, um, But that's the thing. When you're someone like him who puts out consistently uh, good material, um, it can be hard to decide what's your favorite. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I, that's why I picked it up. I did buy the, the reissue album with bonus tracks, and they're just kind of cool to check out. Um, and for anyone that doesn't have a copy, I highly recommend that you do give it a go because it can help you better understand where Ace is today and how he got there. So I think it, you know, it's absolutely worth it. And of course, if he decides to include these songs, uh, when you see him live, it's always good to be familiar with them ahead of time. Um, so yeah, you know, I still give Anomaly two thumbs up, even though it's not necessarily at the top of the pile. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Alex, your hands are full. So let, let's call that an episode. Lonnie, thank you for your contributions and uh, your ranking. And let us know what you think about Anomaly, the packaging, the versions that you have. What were the standouts? What were your expectations if you'd been waiting, you know, 20 years, as many of us had been? I, I think I was probably most disappointed that it did not come out in the spring. But there you go. It came out eventually, and uh, we've been able to celebrate its 10th anniversary. So here's hopefully to more anniversaries of Ace Music. Ace, get back in the studio. We want more. We're never happy. We're never satisfied. So for now, from Michael, from Alex, and myself, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.